0: <laughs> Hello from our mascot. <laughs> A perfect <Big> timing. <laughs> <laughs> oh, He's thanks. purring so loud. <sighs> <laughs>
1: <sighs> <Baby>. Crazy.
0: <laughs> Meet your mascot, everyone. His arms um, just straight out. Straight, <laughs> so funny. straight out um welcome to the halloween special of girls gone spooky yay happy halloween everyone
1: happy halloween i'm olivia thrive
0: and we we are thriving
1: we are thriving and
0: ready to go jiving and thriving Mm -hmm. um okay so we're reading scary stories today and Mm -hmm. I have some good ones. Um how many do you have?
1: I have one very
0: long one. Okay, excellent. <clears throat> I yeah. have well I have I have two. Um I I actually have three, but I have two. I need to, I need to cut it down. <laughs> and I have so maybe I'll do one, you do one, I do one. Does that work? Okay. Yeah, I mean whatever works um it's because i have one like shorter one and then and then a longer one okay so that that works well okay you
1: can do three (laughs) if you want to do three
0: (laughs) we like we'll see okay we'll see we'll see what we have time for because we can always do more of this because i like this one
1: okay yeah (laughs) because there are so many i picked this one because i saw it weeks ago and i've been thinking
0: about it this whole time yay oh i'm so excited
1: Okay, go Um, for it.
0: Okay, so mine are all from Reddit, and (laughs) this one is from Sam Hasem. And the title is, I had a disturbing conversation with my seven-year-old daughter. Yikes. Dad, dad, I saw a zombie. I was in the (laughs) kitchen making tea when my little girl came rushing in. She ran through the back door so fast she almost tripped up the step. I poured boiling water from the kettle into a mug, hardly looking up. Oh, yeah? Yeah, I did. Its face was all pale and messed up. It was gross, Dad. I put the kettle back and picked up the milk. Sighed inwardly. I really had to be more careful about what I watched on TV in the evening. Rosie has a habit of sneaking downstairs in the night. And last week, she caught me watching The Walking Dead, of all things. She had zombies on the brain ever since. I keep telling her they're not real, but it doesn't seem to make a difference. Sweetheart, what did we say about zombies? I scooped the tea bag out of the mug and dumped it in the bin. You know if you keep talking about them, daddy's going to get in trouble with mommy again. Yeah, but I saw one. I know, honey, but I already checked the back garden twice yesterday, and I can promise you it's a zombie-free zone. No, not in the back garden. Hmm? I didn't see it in the back garden. I had the mug raised half half raised to my lips, but now I put it down again. I turned to look at Rosie. Her hair was windswept and her little cheeks were red as if she'd been running. Sweetheart, I put on my best stern dad's not happy voice. I'm going to ask you a question and I want you to be honest with me. Have you been playing along the path out back again? I didn't really need to ask the question because I already knew the answer. Rosie is allowed to play in the garden on her own. And sometimes if she asks us permission first, we let her ride her bike along the path at the back of the house, the one that runs past all the neighbors back gardens. But that's all we allow her to do. This area is pretty safe, but these days you can never be too careful. There was a burglary a couple of roads over a few months back. And last year, someone was mugged on the high street. Several years ago, a few towns over, a little boy even went missing. That was quite a long way away from here, of course, but it made national news for a few days until the search fizzled out, and it made a lot of parents a lot more cautious. Rosie's getting older now, and she's an adventurous girl, but still, you have to have boundaries. And on a few occasions lately, Rosie's been crossing those boundaries, riding her bike farther than she should, not coming straight away when we call her, sneaking out the back gate when she's only meant to be playing in the garden... "'As I watched Rosie now, I noticed her face growing redder. "'She looked away from me, down at the kitchen floor, and scuffed her feet. "'Dad, I only went a little way down,' she said. "'I promise. "'I was chatting to Mr. Henderson because I saw him in his back garden again. "'I said hello and made him jump. "'I sighed. "'So there it was. "'Mr. Henderson was Rosie's zombie. "'Yesterday it was the postman, and the day before that it was a different neighbor.' I took a sip of my tea and shook my head. Mr. Henderson was, in fairness, a better candidate than the others. The guy lives on his own and he looks about 100 years old. Moles <laughs> all over his face, skin like it's a flated balloon. Whenever we'd chatted over the garden fence before, though, he'd always seemed nice enough, just a bit lonely. I couldn't have Rosie going around calling him a zombie. Listen to me, sweetheart. I know you didn't go far or anything, but I don't want you. I came right back after to you, Dad. Rosie interrupted. She was staring up at me now, blue eyes, large and pleading. I promise. And I even said no when Mr. Henderson offered me an ice cream because I know you don't like me taking stuff from strangers. I opened my mouth to respond, then paused. He offered you ice cream? Yeah, but I said no. Mr. Henderson really wanted me to come in and have one, but I told him I had to get home. And then I came straight back here to tell you I'd seen a zombie. And I, Rosie was babbling now, her voice whirring like a motor, but I'd stopped listening. My mind was still stuck on something she'd said a moment before. Mr. Henderson really wanted me to come in and have one. I took another sip of tea and frowned. That wasn't good. I didn't mind the neighbors chatting to my little girl, but I didn't like the thought of them inviting her in. Not without us there. Not even if they were just kind, lonely old men. I made up my mind to go around and visit Mr. Henderson later and to tell him that myself. Kindly, of course, but firmly." In the end, though, I didn't get a chance, because a few moments after I'd had the thought, Rosie said something else, something that pushed everything else from my mind and ended any idea I might have had about going over to Mr. Henderson's house. She said something that made me feel cold. Daddy, please don't stop me playing in the garden. I promise I won't sneak out again. I don't want the zombie to get me. Rosie, I'm not going to stop you playing in the garden, but you have to make me a couple of promises, too. First, promise me you'll stop going around calling people zombies. Mr. Henderson may be old, but he's not one of the living dead. Rosie frowned. I didn't. What do you mean you didn't? You just ran in here a moment ago calling him one. No, I didn't. Mr. Henderson's not a zombie. I saw the zombie in his house, but it wasn't him. I frowned. I had the mug raised to my lips to take another sip of tea, but now I put it down again. What do you mean, sweetheart? You saw someone else in his house? Yeah, the zombie dad. I could see it pressed against his basement window while I was talking to him. Cold fingers ran up my spine. What? Yeah, it was really scary. Its face was all bashed up and bloody, and its mouth was open, like it was screaming at me. But do you know what confused me most, dad? I tried to keep my voice steady. What? Well, I didn't realize kids could be zombies, too. I thought it was only grown-ups. But I guess I must have been wrong, because the one in Mr. Henderson's basement looked just like a little boy. Mm Mm-mm.
1: <laughs> ah! Ew, yikes! Yes! <laughs> Crazy! Yeah,
0: some good old like real people evil to get us started. Yes. Oh, <laughs> yikes, <laughs> Mr. Henderson! I'm, I'm Mr.
1: Henderson! <laughs> and his oh, deflated God. balloon skin or whatever they said, <laughs>
0: balloon, which like is weirdly accurate for old
1: yeah, people. It is <laughs> the things that happen to us
0: as we age. Yeah,
1: I will. Yikes! Yeah, uh, your turn. <laughs> that was a good one. Okay, yeah. so this one, I hope I'm not stretching the theme too much because it's actually a newspaper article that's Ooh. a true story Ooh. Um, Ooh. about even better. It's, yeah, it's called "The Exorcisms of Latoya Ammons," by oh my God, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> by Marissa. Kwiatkowski. I'm probably butchering that and it's for the Indie star so some of this I'm reading directly from the article and some I'm going to summarize because it's a little long but here we go so it's a tale they say that started with flies yikes so in November 2011 <laughs> no <laughs> in November 2011 Ammons the Ammons family, moved into a rental house on Carolina Street in Gary, Indiana, a quiet lane lined with small one-story homes. Big black flies suddenly swarmed their screened-in porch in December, despite the winter chill. This is not normal, Ammons's mother, Rosa Campbell, remembers thinking. We killed them and killed them and killed them, but they kept coming back. There were other strange happenings, too. <clears throat> After midnight, Campbell and Ammons both said they occasionally heard the steady clump of footsteps climbing the basement stairs and the creak of the door opening between the basement and the kitchen. No one was there. Even after they started locking the door, the noise continued. Campbell said she awoke one night and saw a shadowy figure of a man pacing her living room. She leaped out of bed to investigate and found large, wet footprints.
0: No, no, no. But, man,
1: just footprints. (laughs) Um, On March 10th, 2012, Campbell said the family's unease turned to fear. It was about 2 a.m. Normally, Campbell, Ammons, and her children would have been asleep, but they were mourning the death of a loved one with a group of friends. Ammons, who was in Campbell's bedroom, startled everyone by screaming, Mama, Mama. Campbell said she ran into her bedroom where her then 12-year-old granddaughter and a friend were staying. Ammons and Campbell said the 12-year-old was levitating above the bed, unconscious. What? (laughs) Yeah. I'm shocked that we did an episode on exorcisms, and I did not find this. No. I am... Oh my god. Yeah. It has Ah! everything. (laughs) Just wait. It has it all.
0: Stefan from yeah. Club has it all. <laughs>
1: <laughs> exactly. It has levitation, flies, <laughs> demons. Demons, exactly. Everything you want. Um, okay, so she's levitating above the bed, unconscious. According to their account of events, Ammons and several others surrounded the girl, praying. Campbell said she remembers being terrified. I thought, what's going on? Why is this happening? Eventually, Campbell said her granddaughter descended onto the bed. The girl woke up with no memory of what happened. Campbell and Ammon said the people who were visiting that night refused to return. Which, yeah, same. Um, yeah. Same. <laughs> yes, I don't blame them. So.
0: Retweet.
1: <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so, okay, I'm going to summarize this. That at this point, they went to two different clairvoyants, and also being a religious family, they sought guidance from their church. So the clairvoyants said that their best option was to leave the house as soon as possible because they were sensing the presence of over 200 demons in that rental house. 200.
0: What?
1: Is it <laughs> so, on like the hell mouth? I know. <laughs> I don't know. It's so bizarre. So... um, Yeah, unfortunately, though, quickly moving out of their house wasn't an option because of their financial situation. So they followed the other advice, which was to make an altar in the basement of the house, which is where they believed the evil and everything was originating. So Campbell and Ammons, they wore white um, T-shirts and headscarves, and they built this altar down in the basement. And they also followed the advice of the church, who said to thoroughly clean the house with bleach and ammonia and used oil of some kind, um, maybe olive oil, to draw crosses on every door and window of the house. So they did all of this and nothing happened for three days, but then it got worse. So. Oh, great.
0: So they <laughs> yes, did a, a deep going. religious clean for nothing. Yes, exactly. So well, the house is clean, minus the oily doors. <laughs> exactly,
1: that's the silver lining. Who love? Yeah. yeah, we love a clean house. So yeah, okay. <laughs> the family said that demons possessed Ammon's and her children. So up to this point, they hadn't been possessed. I guess the girl who was levitating had, <laughs> but yeah. now they're being mm-hmm. possessed more regularly. So um, Ammon's and her children, who are then ages seven, nine, and twelve. Uh, the kids' eyes bulged. Evil smiles crossed their faces, and their voices deepened every time it happened. Oh, mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. Mm-hmm. The youngest boy, who is then seven years old, he sat in a closet talking to a boy that no one else could see. Oh, great! Um, the other son was describing what it felt like to be killed. Campbell said the seven-year-old once flew out of the bathroom as if he'd been thrown and a headboard once smacked into Ammons' daughter, causing a wound that needed stitches. The 12-year-old would (laughs) later tell mental health professionals that she sometimes felt as if she were being choked and held down so she couldn't speak or move. She said she heard a voice say she'd never see her family again and wouldn't live another 20 minutes. That's very specific.
0: <laughs> but yeah.
1: um, yeah. Finally, in desperation, they went to their family physician, Dr. Jeffrey on Yuku And I don't know if I'm pronouncing that right, so I'm gonna call him Dr. O <laughs> from now on. So they went to see him April 19th, 2012. And Ammon said she told him what they were going through, hoping that he might understand. And needless to say, demon possession is not something we see every day thank god so (laughs) dr o rather than having concerns about their physical state he was concerned for their mental state um and as they talked through everything chaos erupted so campbell said that ammons's sons cursed dr o in demonic voices raging at him Medical staff said the youngest boy was lifted and thrown into the wall with nobody touching him. Uh, The boys abruptly passed out and wouldn't come to. Someone from the doctor's office called 911, and seven or eight police officers and multiple ambulances showed up. Police and emergency personnel took the boys to Methodist Hospital's campus in Gary. The boys woke up finally in the hospital. The older boy, who was then nine, he was acting rationally, but the youngest screamed and thrashed, Campbell said. She said it took five men to hold him down. And remember, he's seven years old at this point. (laughs) So meanwhile, someone called DCS, which is Department of Child Services, and asked the agency <clears throat> to investigate Ammons for possible child abuse or neglect. Um, the caller who was not named in the DCS report, which by the way, you can access this report, mm-hmm. obviously with names redacted, but you can see yeah. all of these details. Um, so the person reported, she thought maybe Ammons had mental illness, and um, The person believed that the children might have been performing, quote unquote, for Ammons and that she was encouraging their behavior. So DCS family case manager Valerie Washington was asked to handle the initial investigation. So hospital personnel examined Ammons and her children and found them to be healthy and free of marks or bruises. A hospital psychiatrist evaluated Ammons and determined she was of, quote, sound mind. Washington interviewed the family in the hospital. While she spoke with Ammons, the seven-year-old boy started growling with his teeth showing. His eyes rolled back in his head. (laughs) The boy locked his hands around his older brother's throat and refused to let go until adults pried his hands open. Later that evening, Washington and registered oh, nurse, I know. And it's not even over yet. It's ready. Get ready for It just for goes part. on and on. Oh, yeah. God. Okay. Okay. <laughs> um, yeah. These next two sections are crazy. So Washington, the caseworker, she went back in with the nurse named Willie Lee Walker um, to continue their interview. And Campbell, the grandma, joined them. Uh, the seven year old stared into his brother's eyes and began to growl again. It's time to die, the boy said in a deep, unnatural voice. I will kill you. <laughs> While the youngest boy spoke, the older brother started headbutting Campbell in the stomach. And what happened next would rattle the witnesses, and to some, it would offer not only evidence but proof of paranormal activity. So. According to Washington's original DCS report, an account corroborated by Walker, the nurse, the nine-year-old had a weird grin and walked backward up a wall to the ceiling. (laughs) That just leaves me full body chills. (laughs) It's like so unbelievable. But yeah, so he walked up the wall. He flipped over his grandma and landed on his feet. And he did that. All while never letting go of his grandmother's hand. And he's not secretly an Olympian. Right. (laughs) Exactly. (laughs) Because they they even asked they asked, like, did he get a running jump onto the wall and then do it? But no, he was just like gliding backwards and up the wall and then over. (laughs) So yikes. Um, Okay. Now the rest, this is my summary. So um, sadly at this point, DCS made the decision to separate the children from their mom and grandma as they still had concerns about whether they might've been encouraging these behaviors in them. And during the separation, they started investigating the home itself. Um, Both a local reverend and the police came. So the reverend was first. Um, His name was Reverend Michael Maginot. And Mm. he came and interviewed the family, or I guess it was just Ammons and Campbell at that point. Um, And they sat and talked. And as they were sitting there, the bathroom lights kept flickering on and off. And believing that it had something to do with what they were talking about, he got up to investigate it a few times. And every time he went into the bathroom, the flickering would stop, but then it would start again when they sat back down. So he interpreted that as whatever it was, maybe being afraid of him as a man of God. Um, And then while he was there, also the blinds started swinging, even though there was no air flowing through the house. And again, they saw the wet footprints in the living room. Um, before leaving, Maginot said a very intense prayer, they said, over the house and encouraged Ammons and Campbell to move out immediately because the house is not That's safe. That's out. Yeah. <laughs> so then yes. a few days later, um, the case manager, Valerie Washington, came to the house to continue her investigation and determine you know, whether to reunite the children with the family. And... Washington had two police officers accompany her on this visit. So the house appeared like any other house. It was clean, as we know, and they had a lot of food in the cabinets. Um, It was all clear, except that the basement is weird. So they went down to investigate when Campbell shared their concerns about that area And while they were down in the basement, the officers who had been recording audio of this interview, Mm -hmm. their equipment suddenly malfunctioned, um, despite having just changed the battery before entering the house. And in listening back to the recorded audio, they could hear an unidentifiable, unidentifiable voice saying, hey. But probably not like that. Probably like, "Hey, hey, hey, hey. <laughs>
0: exactly. <laughs> the so, number of people involved in like mm-hmm. having an experience is insane. I know. Yes, agreed. And
1: there's even more people that get involved here. So um, they during this visit, they were also taking photos of the house. Um, and in these photos, they saw all these strange silhouettes a cloudy white image that looked like a face and a green outline of something that looked like a woman. And also in a photo that they took of the outside of the house, there is clearly a figure standing in the window. And I looked at this picture. It looks like Slender man. <laughs> and I know he's like made up, but it looks like him, you know, with the suit and all yes. that long neck. Yeah. Yeah. So, yes. <laughs> yeah. So, I will share that photo with you. Um, Please. And as if that wasn't enough, when they left the house, the officers, their radios started to malfunction in the car. So did the motor to move the driver's seat back and forth. And when he got home, oh his God. garage door malfunctioned also. Um so, very weird. Um, okay, after that, a bit more time passed. Police, More police officers and a new caseworker, because the first one refused to go back, um, they went back to visit the house. And this time, the reverend came as well. And the first thing they noticed this time was this mysterious, slippery substance dripping down the walls, both upstairs and in the basement. And they thought maybe this is the oil that they've been using to anoint the house. But they cleaned up an area of the wall. And they blocked it off so no one could access it before they went off and did other things. But upon returning to the area later, that weird goo was back just like before. So in the basement, everyone... Noticed that the whole floor was concrete except for the area directly under the stairs where the concrete was broken up and only dirt remained. So they decided to dig into this area in case there was a body there or something to explain this. Yeah. Mm. But they didn't find a body, but they did find some weird stuff. So they found a pink press on fingernail. A white pair of underwear, a political shirt pin, a lid for a small cooking pan, socks with the bottoms cut off below the ankles, candy wrappers, and a heavy metal object that looked like a weight for a drapery cord. (laughs) So I don't know what to make of all of those items. Um, Like some
0: creepy time capsule.
1: (laughs) Right. But they didn't do anything with those items. They said they just covered them back up with dirt. (laughs) So there, I mean, could still be there, Um, but they found all those items. The reverend blessed some salt, which is supposed to deter demons, um, to place around the area, and they went back upstairs. And after getting back upstairs, this new caseworker, her name was Samantha Illick, she felt this really intense pain in her left pinky finger, like it felt broken, and it was tingling, and it was paler than the rest of her hand. And a few more minutes passed, and she started having a full-on panic attack and just knew that she needed to leave the house. And similar to the police officer that visited before, Illick had this string of misfortunes. that all This all happened to her within a month and a half of visiting this house. So it started with getting a third-degree burn from a motorcycle, She broke three ribs while jet skiing. She broke a hand when she hit it on a table. And then she broke her ankle running in flip-flops.
0: First of all, (laughs) three of those four things, what are you doing? Yeah. Second of all, what? (laughs) Yeah, I know.
1: Something followed her, I feel.
0: Oh, that's such a creepy thought.
1: Yeah. Yikes.
0: But it
1: continues. Oh, <laughs> so, <laughs>
0: okay. Yeah, of course it does. We're it almost is.
1: done. We're it's almost done. People. <laughs> no. Um, Yeah, so thankfully, Ammons and Campbell, they were able to find another place and they moved out of this house. Um, but the investigation was ongoing, although I don't think they ended up finding anything else. Um, it was all pretty unexplained. But... Unfortunately, even after moving out, Ammons in particular, she was still suffering from the effects of living there. Um, And also just as an aside, um, during like continued psych evaluations and time apart from their grandma and mom, the children maintained these stories of demonic possession, though thankfully they weren't having any outbursts or actual experiences anymore, but they maintained that what happened was true. So because Ammons was still suffering, um, Reverend Maginot sought approval from the bishop to perform an exorcism. So during the first one, he placed a cross on her forehead and Ammons started to convulse. So they stopped the exorcism before they achieved any results. Um, and mm-hmm. at that point, Reverend Maginot gave Ammons a crucifix to wear um, that obviously was in the shape of a cross and it on the cross had a raised Jesus figure. Um, mm-hmm. <laughs> and there's a picture of this too, that I'll send you Um so when she returned for the next exorcism, Amons showed Maginot that the Jesus figure had disappeared from the crucifix. <gasps> it was like welded on there and it was gone. <laughs> this is so crazy. Um so yeah, I'll send oh. you that picture too. <laughs> oh. Oh. <laughs> um yeah. Yikes. What in the demon is that? I know. <laughs> yeah. Oh, my God. I mean, there's 200 of them, so they're just, like, wreaking havoc. Oh, so. I forgot
0: about that. Yeah. That mm-hmm. <laughs> they're living on a hell mouth, apparently. Yes, exactly. It's um, <laughs> just like, a movie plot. Like. I know. I feel like people could survive be. this.
1: Yeah. When I was Googling it, I kept trying to see, like, is this – did they post this on Halloween? Or did they post this on April Fools? <laughs> but it was like in a a random January that they wrote this story. So right. I think that it's true. And tell me again where it is, uh, Gary, Indiana, Indiana. Yeah, what the hell? yeah. But okay, I think it took four exorcisms for them to finally exercise whatever was affecting um, Ammon's. And, yeah, during the final one, they noticed that she was no longer having these violent reactions to them praying over her. And they pushed through it all. And Ammons, when it was done, actually fell asleep, like a very deep sleep. And to them, that signaled that whatever it was, was gone. So... Um, about six months after they had been taken away, Ammons and Campbell were reunited with the children and grandchildren, um, mm-hmm. and it was a really happy reunion. They were all able to leave all of this in the past, though I can't imagine wow. that they don't have PTSD <laughs> a lot of therapy,
0: like so many therapy bills.
1: Yep. So they're all doing well now. And the landlord of the house in Gary was able to rent it to somebody else. (laughs) And that tenant hasn't complained of anything other than that people are always driving by because the house is now an object of local curiosity. So, yeah, I mean... There are so many people involved. I feel like, is it possible that everyone is getting pumped <laughs> by these people? I don't think so.
0: I mean, but, that, think of the lengths they'd have to go to for like the lights flickering and all of the like little details, the equipment mm-hmm. not working, and right and the cross,
1: yeah. like yeah, <laughs> I know. It's yeah, there's too much and. For these social workers and policemen to make official reports about a child like walking backwards up a wall, I think they're unlikely to make that up. Um yeah.
0: So Oh my god. Yeah. (laughs) I mean that's like that would that would scar you for life Mm -hmm. seeing something like that. I just saw um the new Halloween movie, Halloween Ends, last Mm -hmm. night, and it was like over the top gore. Like they <laughs> really? were just like, last one of the whole thing. Uh-huh. We're doing Let's it go. big. And it was, they did it big. Like wow. it was intense. It was so hokey. Like it was so extreme. Mm. It was like, okay. <laughs> like we were giggling watching it. But I forgot this movie is coming out, I think this week, called Pray for the Devil, but Pray mm-hmm. spelled P R E Y. Mm-hmm. And it's about this woman who becomes a nun and she basically becomes like an exorcist in training and there's like an exorcism school. So it's mm-hmm. like nuns and priests and holy people, whatever mm-hmm. uh, people with the cloth. Yeah. And um, <laughs> anyway, it's, it's basically like she has this like dark history with demons and like her mom being possessed. And then she's trying to help this little girl who's allegedly possessed. And then it's like the demon like recognizes her. And so it looks really good, but there is literally a scene that's like the little girl, like scaling up the wall, like backwards. And you're just (laughs) like, Oh my God. Like I, if I saw that in person and I was like awake, like if I, I as an awake (laughs) conscious sane human Mm -hmm. saw that, I think I would die. I think I would literally just <laughs> drop dead. Like I would be like, that's enough of that. Yeah. That's enough of life for me. Like, yeah. I'm good. I'll pass.
1: Yeah. It would absolutely change everything you thought everything you knew.
0: You, yeah. I mean, you would have <laughs> – you would lose your mind. I mean, I would, yeah. be either, I would either drop dead or someone would have to check me into an institution. <laughs> like I would be like, well – it was nice running a normal life. Now yeah. we're gonna be in a padded cell. Yeah, I know. Cool, cool, cool. Because cool, cool,
1: cool. even if you're a believer in the paranormal, and you've had an experience with a ghost or something, that's nothing like seeing a child thrown through the air for no reason
0: or like things like that.
1: Yeah, that's just a whole Oof. new ball game. Oof. Uh. But, yeah, that's Latoya Ammons's Ugh. story, and Ugh. yikes.
0: Yikes. Um, okay, I'm going to do one more. It was seriously so hard for me to pick stories. Like, <laughs> I had, like, 30 tabs open and was like, okay, we got <laughs> to it down. Yeah. Um, and I'm trying to pick ones that are, like, a little fringe and, like, different. So. Okay. Keep that in mind. That first one I just thought was like classic, yeah. scary. Like, yeah, it is. real people are terrifying sometimes. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. Um, okay. This one is by Grand Theft Motto, again on Reddit. And this one won um, Scariest Story and Most Immersive Story in 2019 from the No Sleep, like Creative Writing. Cool. So, but. It's not creative writing. It's real. Right. So something walks whistling past my house every night at 3.03. Okay. Every night, no matter the weather, something walks down our street whistling softly. You can only hear it if you're in the living room or the kitchen when they walk by. And it always starts at exactly 3.03. The sound starts faint somewhere near the beginning of the lane near Carson Place. We're towards the middle of the street, so the whistling moves past us before fading away in the direction of the cul-de-sac. When I was younger, my sister and I would sneak into the kitchen some nights to listen. Mom and dad didn't like that, and we'd catch hell if they found us out there. They were never too hard on us, since we always stuck to the one big rule. Don't try to look at whatever was whistling. Mm. My neighborhood is a funny place. I've lived here since I was six, and I love it. The houses are small, but well-kept, good-sized yards, plenty of places to roam. There are a lot of other kids here that are my age. I turned 13 back in October. We grew up together and we would always play four square in the cul-de-sac or roam around from back porch to back porch in the summer. This was a good place to grow up. I'm old enough to see it. And there's only the two strange things here, the night whistling and the good luck. The whistling never bothered me much. Like I said, I couldn't even hear it from my bedroom, but my mom and dad don't like talking about it. So I've stopped asking questions. My dad is a strong guy, tall and calm. He has an accent since he moved to the U S as a kid, his family, my grandparents, they're from the islands. That's what they call it. At least my dad, the only time he isn't so calm is if the whistler comes up, he talks a little quicker then, eyes move faster and tells us not to think about it so much. And to always remember the one rule, the big rule. Don't try to look outside when the whistler goes past. Not that we could look even if we wanted to. See, there are shutters on the inside of every window, thick pieces of heavy canvas that pull down from the top and latch to the bottom of the window frame. Each latch even has a small lock about the size of what you'd find on a diary. My dad locks those shutters every night before we all go to bed and keeps the key in his room. My mom, I don't really know what she thinks about the whistling. I've seen her out in the living room before at 3.03 when the sound starts. I could see her if I cracked my door open just an inch to peek out. She's not out there often, at least I haven't caught her much. But once or twice a month, I think she sits out there on our big red couch just listening. The whistler has the same tune every night. It's cheerful. Da-da-da-da-da-dum, da-da-da-da-da-dum. <laughs> Remember how I said there are two odd things about where I live? Well, besides our night whistler, everyone in my neighborhood is really lucky. It's hard to explain. Dad doesn't like us talking about this part much either. But good things just seem to happen to people around here a lot. Usually it's small things, winning a radio contest or getting an unexpected promotion at work or finding some arrowheads buried in the yard. You know, the authentic kind. (laughs) The weather is pretty good and there's no crime and everyone's garden blooms extra bright in the fall. A million little blessings I've heard my mom say about living here. But the main reason we stay here, why we moved here in the first place, is my sister Nola. She was born very sick, something with her lungs. We couldn't even bring her home when she was born, only visited her in the hospital. She was so small, I remember, small even compared to the other babies. And a machine had to breathe for her. We moved into our house here to be closer to the hospital. And as soon as we moved here, Nola started getting better. The doctors couldn't figure it out, so they chalked it up to whatever they were doing, but we all could tell they were confused. But my parents knew, even I knew. Nola was getting better. It was just and it was just another of the million little blessings we got for living in our neighborhood. So that's why we stayed, even after we found out that for every small miracle that happens here or every day, now and then, some bad things happen. But they only happen if you look for the Whistler. See, our neighborhood has a welcoming committee. They show up with a macaroni casserole and a gift basket and a manila folder whenever someone new moves in. They're very friendly. Four people showed up when we moved in seven years ago. The committee made small talk, gave me a Snickers bar, and took turns holding Nola. It was her first week out of the hospital, so they were extra careful. Then the committee asked to speak to my parents in private, so I was sent to my room where I still managed to hear nearly every word. <laughs> the welcoming committee told my parents about how nice the neighborhood was, really exceptionally hard to explain kind of nice. And then they told my parents about the even harder to explain whistling that happened every morning at 3:03 and ended at the tick of 3:05. The group, mm-hmm. our new neighbors, warned my parents that the whistling was quiet, would never harm or hurt us as long as we didn't look for what was making the sound. This part they stressed, and I pushed my ear into the door, straining to hear them. People who went looking for the Whistler had their luck changed, sometimes very tragically. A black cloud would hang over anyone that looked, anything that could go wrong would. The manila envelope the committee brought over contained newspaper clippings, stories about car crashes and ruined lives, public deaths and freak accidents. Not everyone dies, I heard the head of the committee tell my dad, but the life goes out of them. Even if they live, there's no light in them ever again, no presence. My mom, I could tell, wasn't taking it seriously. She kept asking if this was some kind of prank they play on new neighbors. And at one point, my mom got pretty angry, accused the committee of trying to scare us out of our new home, asked them if they were racist on account of my dad being from the islands. My dad calmed her down, told her he could tell our new neighbors were sincere and they were just trying to help us. He explained that he grew up hearing these kinds of stories from his mom and that he knew there were strange things that walked among us. Some of those strange things were good and some were bad, but most were just different. After the committee left, Dad went out to the hardware store, bought canvas blinds, the latches, and the locks, and installed them on every window in the house after dinner. That first night in our new house, I crept out of my room at 3 a.m., only to find my dad awake, sitting on the living room couch, holding my baby sister. My dad held up his finger in a motion, but patted the couch next to him. I sat, and we waited. At exactly 3.03, we heard the whistling. It came and it went just like our neighbors said. It returns each night and we never look and we enjoy our million little blessings every day. Nola breathes on her own and she's grown into a strong, clever girl. My dad even joined the welcoming committee. We don't get new neighbors often. Why would anyone want to leave? But when a new family comes in, my dad and the committee bring them macaroni casserole, a gift basket, and of course the vanilla folder. I can always tell by the look on my dad's face when he comes back if the family took the committee seriously or if we'd be getting new neighbors again very soon. (laughs) Not long ago, a family moved in directly next to us. The previous owner, Miss Maddie, passed away at age 105. She lived a good long life. Our new neighbors seemed like they'd fit in just fine. They believed the welcoming committee took my dad's advice about locking shutters since they had a young child of their own. Whatever newspaper clippings were in that manila folder, whatever evidence, my dad never let us see. But I imagine it must have been awfully convincing since our neighbors got along with no issues for the first month. One night, when our neighbors had to leave town, they sent their son Holden to stay with us. He was 12, a year under me in school. I didn't know him well before that night, but as soon as his parents dropped him off after dinner, I could tell it was going to be a bad time. Do you know who's always out there whistling every night? Holden asked the moment the adults left the room. The three of us were sitting in the den, some Disney movie playing idly on the television. My sister and I exchanged a glance. We don't talk about that, I said. I think it's that weirdo that lives in the big yellow house on the colder on the corner. Holden said, "Mr. Tolls." My sister asked, "No way. He's really nice." Holden shrugged. Must be a psycho killer then. Nola tensed. We don't talk about it. I repeated. Let's go in my room and play Nintendo. We spent the next few hours playing games, eating popcorn, watching movies—a typical sleepover. But I could see Holden was getting antsy. After my parents had wished us good night, they locked the blinds, went to bed. Holden stood up from his beanbag and walked over to where Nola and I were sitting on my bed. Have you ever tried looking? He asked. It's nearly time. Mm -hmm. Like most sleepovers, we'd conveniently ignored any suggestion of a bedtime. And I was shocked to see he was right. It was almost 3 a.m. I said, we don't see. I can't. I can't even try to look because my dad locks the blinds every night and hides the key. He continued ignoring me. So does our dad, said Nola. No, replied Holden. No, he doesn't. You saw him do it," I said, a little sharper than I mean to, meant to sound. Holden grinned. "Your dad locks the blinds, yeah, but he doesn't hide the key. He keeps it right on his normal keychain." So I asked, worried I already knew what he would say next, because I had noticed that my dad didn't bother hiding the key anymore after all these years, mm-hmm. because he knew we took it seriously. So after your dad locked up, but before your parents went to bed, I went to the bathroom, and on my way, I may have peeked into their bedroom, and I may have seen your dad's keychain on his night. <laughs> and I maybe went and borrowed the key to the blinds no. Nola and I stared and his grin only grew wider you're lying I said Holden shrugged you can check if you want just open your parents door and look you'll see his keychain right there on the nightstand ugh stay here I told both of them don't move I hurried over to my parents' room but hesitated at the door. If Holden wasn't lying, my dad would be angry, beyond angry. I was scared thinking about it, but more scared of an open window with the whistler right outside. I opened the door barely an inch and looked in, but it was too dark to see. Taking a deep breath, I walked into the room. Two steps into the dark, I froze. The whistling started and I could hear it clearly from my parents' room. I never realized, but they must have heard the sound every night since we moved into the house. But they never told us. And I don't think I could have slept through that. I stood there listening to the whistling come closer. Unsure whether I should turn on a light or call out for my dad. Soft sounds from the living room brought me back to reality. Nola, I yelled, running out of my parents' room. Holden and Nola were standing near the front door next to a window. Holden wasn't lying. I could see him fumbling with the lock on one of the blinds and I heard a click. Ugh, he did have the key. Holden (laughs) let out a quick laugh and Nola stood next to him hunched up, afraid but maybe curious. The whistling was right outside our house now. I think I made a sound, called out, I can't remember. Time felt frozen, clock hands nailed to the face, but I found myself moving. I'm not fast. I've never been athletic. Somehow, though, I covered the space between myself and Nola in a moment. My eyes were locked on her, but I heard Holden pull the blind all the way down so it could release. I heard the snap of it start to rise, and I heard the whistling just on the other side of the window. I had my arms around Nola, and I turned us so she was facing away from the window. At the same time, I jammed my eyes shut, and the blind whipped open. The whistling stopped. I felt nola shaking in my eyes don't look okay i told her don't turn around we were positioned so that she was facing back towards the hallway and i was facing the window my eyes were still closed and i felt her nod into my shoulder i reached out with the arm not holding nola and tried to touch holden my hand brushed against his arm and he was shaking worse than nola holden i asked silence i reached past him and gingerly felt for the window eyes still sealed shut The glass was cold against my fingertips, colder than it should have been for the time of year. I moved my hand up the window, searching for the string to the blind. The glass began to get warmer the further I reached, and there was a gentle hum feeding back into my fingertips. I tried not to think about what might be on the other side of the window. Finally, I touched the string and yanked the blinds shut. I opened my eyes, and the dim light leaking from the the kitchen I could make out Holden, pale and small, staring at the now-closed window." holden i asked again he turned towards me and screamed everything became a flurry of motion light sparked to life in the hall then the living room my parents footsteps thudded across the hardwood floor i didn't turn to look back at them my eyes were glued to holden he was pale he had bit his lips so hard that there was a thin red line of blood running down his chin and he'd wet himself what happened my dad asked from behind me i managed to swivel away from holden and look back he looked I'd never seen my dad scared before, but I saw it that night, in that moment, an old ugly terror stitched on his face, a parent's fear. Just Holden, he mouthed to me, I nodded yes. My dad let out a breath, he looked so relieved, I nearly expected him to cheer. But then he turned to Holden and my dad's face changed again. I wonder if he felt bad for feeling good that Holden was the only one that looked. There was a knock at the door. We all froze, Holden whimpered. Don't answer it, my mom said. She stood at the threshold of the hall. I'd always thought she was a skeptic and just sort of humored my dad about the windows and the whistler, but that night we were all believers. I noticed that both my parents held baseball bats. They must've taken from their bedroom. The knock came again, a little louder this time. Please don't open the door, Holden whispered. My dad walked over to him, hugged him close. We won't, my dad promised, still holding his bat. Nothing is coming in here tonight. Thud, thud, thud. This time the knocking was loud enough to rattle the door. Holden screamed again and Nola clutched her arms around my neck. My mom came over and knelt down next to us, wrapping my sister and me close. Thud, thud, thud. Call the police, my mom whispered to my dad. The knocking instantly stopped. My dad looked over his shoulder at us. Do you think? He was cut off by frantic knocking that trailed off into a polite tap, tap, tap police, something said from the other side of the door. The Mm -hmm. voice from outside sounded exactly like my mom, like a parrot repeating the words back to her. Police, call the police, tap, 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 police. My mom pulled us closer. Police, 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 please stop. I heard her whisper. I don't think calling them will help, my dad said. How will we know when they're the ones at the door? The knocking came back harder than before. The door shook, then it stopped. After a long moment, I heard the knocking again, but this time it was coming from our back door. We all turned together towards the back door, but the knocking immediately returned to the front door, front to back, back to front, loud, then quiet, then loud again. Suddenly the sound was coming from both doors at once, big, heavy blows like a sledgehammer. Then something started rapping against all of the windows in the house, then the walls. It was like we were living inside a drum with a dozen people trying to play at once. Or we were a turtle and something was attempting to claw us out of our shell. Stop, Holden yelled the knocking died. I won't tell, Holden said, staring at the door. I promise I won't tell anyone what I saw. Just please go away. We waited for nearly a minute, and then we heard it, a soft tap, 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 coming from the window Holden had looked through earlier. Holden started to cry, sobbing like a prisoner watching gallows being built outside their cell. My dad held him, brushed his hair, but never lied to him, never told him things would be okay. The tapping at the window went on for the rest of the night. We huddled together in the living room for I don't know how long. Eventually, my mom tried to take us kids into my room while my dad stayed to watch the door. But the second we moved into my bedroom, the knocking came back. So loud, it was impossible to ignore. I was afraid the door couldn't take it. We went back to the living room and the knocking stopped. Only the tap, tap, tap on the window remained. None of us slept that night. The tapping stopped around 7 a.m. It's about the time the sun, sun's... C- "'The sun comes up here. "'We waited another two hours "'before my dad opened the blinds from one window. "'He made us all go back to my parents' bedroom first. "'I heard him open the door, then come back in. "'Okay,' he told us, it's done. "'Holden's parents came back around lunchtime. "'My mom and dad walked Holden over to his house "'and they all went inside for quite a while.' Nola and I watched from the window. She stuck to me the whole day, right at my side, sometimes holding my hand. When my parents came back, they looked grim, but wouldn't tell us what they said to Holden's family. It was a Sunday, so we all spent the day together, ordered pizza, and watched movies. That night, everyone slept in my room. Nola and my mom in the bed with me, my dad in a chair he'd pulled over. There was no knocking that night or any night since then. We didn't see much of Holden or his parents for the rest of that week, but by Thursday, there was a moving truck in their driveway. Nola and I watched them packing up the whole afternoon after school. What sticks with me most is how tired Holden and his parents looked. All three had the same pallor, grim mouths, and lightless eyes. Even from across the street, I could tell something was very wrong. Holden and his family were gone before sunset. I remember what the original welcoming committee said to my parents when we moved in. Not everyone who looks at the Whistler dies, but even those that live have the light go out of them, and the rest of their lives are full of misfortune, a million little tragedies. I think Holden's parents must have looked either to comfort him if they didn't believe or share the burden if they did. I watched Nola some days, happy and young and alive, and I wonder if I'd been slower, if she'd looked out the window that night, would I have looked too to comfort her, to share that burden? I'm glad I don't have to find out. We still live in that house, in that neighborhood. We still hear our whistler walking past every night. The blessings, the luck, the good things are here. Here are too good to leave. But we're very careful. We don't have friends over to spend the night anymore. And my dad hides the key to the blinds very, very well. Not that I've gone looking. Some things you really just don't need to look for. Scary. What do you think it was? I don't know like a skinwalker or something? yeah I don't know Ugh. but something that can grant good luck I guess or grant yeah. wishes or right. I don't know or I just baby. thought it was well, right I feel like it's like I mean I, there are so there were so many stories that are like plot twists right like scary mm-hmm. stories that are like I met Lucifer and he's actually not out to get us like he's yeah. it's actually playing into our own guilt and fears and things Mm -hmm. like that. And, like, bad evil that already exists in the world. Like, Lucifer isn't evil. Like, people are evil. And he he plays that against us. But I think, I don't know, like, a lot of these stories, like, I don't know. Like, they're they're the Skinwalker ones, but I liked this one because it's so – It's like there's a trade, right? Like if you mm-hmm. meet the devil at a crossroads, like if you hold up your end of the bargain, there's not always punishment. You know what I mean? Like sometimes right. it's an exchange for your soul. Like then you're fucked. But mm-hmm. in these situations, it's like we all have this understanding that this is the deal. So I'm yeah. saying don't do this one thing. It's like Adam and Eve, right? In mm-hmm. the garden of Eden. Like don't eat the fucking apple. Yeah. <laughs> right. But, you know, it's like the one thing you're not allowed yeah. to do. You have to do it. But right. like kids- unfair because it's like of course a kid is gonna be super curious yeah Yeah. especially like a preteen boy (laughs) right they're gonna do silly whatever yeah Yeah. so there are some other yeah i feel like we should start doing these like once a month because i feel like there i i just i literally have like a note full of links to these now and i'm just like oh (laughs) the other ones are terrifying <laughs> and some of them are on no sleep but some of them are from on like from like indigenous reddit okay it's like so i don't you're true. like are these real i don't know yeah <laughs>
1: like, okay yeah i really like that idea because this was really fun to just yeah this is really fun yeah. people are creative
0: i know they're so creative i love it i don't fit. well and yours was just outright terrifying <laughs> and
1: true apparently so yeah what the hell yikes watch out for demons. Well,
0: watch out for demons guys um <laughs> and happy halloween, Have happy a halloween. Safe and fun and spooky halloween <laughs> and enjoy your celebrations send us tag us in photos of you guys mm-hmm. in your costumes we'll be yes. sure to post ours yes. um and yeah otherwise stay spooky friends we'll see you soon stay spooky happy halloween Ah. bye halloween (laughs)